as we um, as we just begin to as we prepare to hear God's word, let's just um, have a moment, a couple of moments in prayer. Indeed, our Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to also remember the great sacrifice, the great cost, the great price that's paid for our salvation. We give you thanks for this, Lord. We were lost completely, but Jesus came to seek us and to save us. We were blind, but you spoke your word. Indeed, your word came down in person, in the person of Jesus Christ, and brought light, the light of your Son, to guide us. We were truly in debt that we could not repay, but Jesus came and redeemed us completely. Now, Father, as we come to your word this afternoon, teach us, we ask. You have been gracious to give us your Son, a living hope for us. Indeed, I've heard it said and I've read it that you who freely gave us your son. And the writer asked, would you not with him freely give us everything? Indeed, I ask for grace, Lord, this afternoon to stir up your church, to challenge, to build up, and to encourage today from your word. Let us all be prepared for your teaching by your spirit this afternoon. We submit ourselves to you, Lord, and we submit ourselves in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good afternoon, church. Um, just looking across the hall again, it's, um, it's going to take a few moments getting used to standing up here. Not something I do regularly, not something I do often. But um, let me just begin by thanking um, the Lord for the opportunity and um, thanking the guys for being gracious to, you know, afford the opportunity to come here and share a word of encouragement for us. Um, please turn with me in your Bibles. I'm not doing any, um, any of this stuff today. So turn with me in your Bibles. I'm going to ask everyone to turn. To First Peter, let's turn there together. First Peter, chapter two. I can hear pages turning on this side, listening on this side. First Peter, chapter two. Somebody was looking up there, like what verse? <laughs> chapter two. We there? We there on this side? In the middle? Okay. We're reading the, uh, just the first three verses. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. 
Just like I remember my parents and their peers finding it amazing seeing me grow up. I mean, you'd, sometimes you'd have some uncle or some friend come around and like, wow, Bertram, look at you. You're just growing up. What have you been eating? This guy's been eating your food, man. What's, what's happening with this, kid, with this guy? You know, <laughs> exactly. You know, it's also amazing seeing the, would it be fair to call them children anymore? <laughs> it's amazing seeing our, our own children grow up. I mean, no names mentioned, grow up physically. And um, we thank God, indeed, each time for every new birth and for how we see and watch our children grow. I mean, just looking through the, just looking through the audience now, I can see there's, there's even those of us who are still waiting expectantly and gladly so. But, man, do we get all uptight and in a fit if, for one moment, you go to the health visitor, mothers would know what I'm talking about, and the growth chart in the book is like, it's left, the, it's left the, it's not, it's not the top percentile anymore. It's gone down. What's happening? This baby's not growing. They're not putting on weight. Should I change the formula? Should I go SMA or go something else? And we get really uptight about that. But it's even more serious when the little one seems unwell. And he's not asking for food. They're not asking for anything. But in the same way, looking at how we mature as adults, um, we do sometimes run into patterns and cycles that seem insurmountable sometimes. You get to deal with particular kinds of challenges and it's like, banging your head against a brick wall. Get to this particular kind of challenge, maybe interpersonal relationships or dealing with a particular kind of task and it just proves difficult. Nigh impossible. But at such times we need help. We definitely need some encouragement to grow. But you see, just like we also reasonably expect ourselves and babies or children to grow, when we come to Christ as believers, it's also reasonable for the Lord to expect that we will grow to be mature Christians. We know all too well that that's not always the case. A lie? That's not always the case. So, come, let's see today how we grow spiritually. In essence, Peter here is calling these guys, calling believers to crave for growth. If you're looking for a title, call it Growing Cravings, if you want. The context in which um, this is set. As we look at the first uh, verse of this, pa- of this passage in First Peter chapter 2, 
straight away we're compelled to see what this therefore is therefore. In verse 1, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. The guy who's writing this book is Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you go back to verse 1 in the first chapter of the book, of the letter, you see him addressing um, the believers there, addressing this letter as coming from him, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The same guy who acknowledged that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Yes, that same Peter. And the people he's writing to, they're... He addressed them as those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, parts of present-day Turkey. In describing them in these terms as those who reside as aliens, he's making particular reference to the fact that they were strangers in the land that's not their own. There is a true sense in which we can identify with that as believers. That being here, if you are, as a migrant to the United Kingdom. um, I mean, there's a sense in which sometimes I'm at home and just thinking about some particular Nigerian food. But I have to tell myself, look, forget that. Even the African shop can't sort you out in that regard. You can't get what you're looking for. So, um, there's, there's, an, there's even a truer sense in which, like Peter's readers, we reside as aliens, or other versions say strangers, in the world. For example, we want some God-fearing people in government. But the world would do what it wants to do. I don't know if you've you've been able to identify with that recently. In the UK, for example. Our stay here in this world, and this is even applicable both to us and to them of Peter's time. Our stay here in this world, whether you hold... A Jamaican, Nigerian, British, Ghanaian, Sierra Leonean, or UK passport. Our stay here is temporary. None of us will be here forever. If Jesus tarries in the next 200 years, hmm, look around. None of us will be here. There's so many name plaques on these walls. People who fell in battles in 1914, in 1866, or however long ago they were. None of these people is here now. And perhaps none of those who even put those memorials up are here. So in a sense, we are all aliens in this world, just like the guys who received this letter. Again... The people who received the letter are people who were saved. 
Look at the remainder of verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1. The people who were chosen. According to the full knowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. In verses 3 to 5 of chapter 1 as well, Peter basically outlined what God had done for his readers. And I summarize it this way. God has prearranged by his spirit that by his spirit men will come to continually place trust for deliverance from eternal death for sin and they'll place that trust in the crucified body and shed blood of Jesus Christ and they'll have a hope of eternal life. They'll have an inheritance as well in heaven because Jesus Christ has risen from death and is alive and seated in heaven. We remember that today. We remember that today. I mean, that's all outlined there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And just reading the verses 3 to 5. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God. Through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. We're looking at why the therefore is there. On account of all these things that God has prearranged and done and set up for the people he's writing to and encouraging. He wants to assure his readers that, look, the quality of the redemption you have is, if you like, it's quality. You weren't redeemed with um, perishable things like silver or gold. Consider this for a moment to the point he's making. So like you're taking your new iPad Air to cash converters, cash strapped, or your Samsung, what do they call those phones now? Samsung Mini Galaxy S3 or whatever. You've put in a cash converters and all right, come the day you need to go get this thing back. What do you do? You go in there. Show them the money, you get your phone back. Easy, right? Likewise, you've got a mortgage on your house, you want to redeem it, go to the bank, show them your check, business done, they give you your title deeds. Easy, that's common. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that who's got the money. But get this, in terms of our debt, to God in terms of measuring up to God have as much money as you like have as much dough as you like be minted as much as you like have more than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates put together 
It won't count for nothing. It won't count for nothing at all. Peter drives this whole point home in chapter 1 to these guys. Like, look, your redemption was not cheap. It wasn't common. It wasn't common at all. And the things that have been, the price that has been paid to redeem your souls from eternal damnation is precious. He wants them to remember these things, especially because that is what is preached in Jesus Christ. And that will still be the same thing that is preached even today. So, standing here, I ask, and pose this question. As we are gathered here, as we all meet together, as we come Sunday after Sunday, or however often it is we gather together, what's the basis on which we all are here? What's the basis on which we come together? If it is anything less than that, that Jesus Christ gave his life, that he came personally to pay the debt that we owe to God. He came in person, you know, to pay the debt that we owe to God. Hmm. If it's anything less than that, then I'll just drop a little bit of a challenge for you before we conclude today. You see, get this. Just like we can go into, um, this is just a, bit of a, just a bit of a digression. You know, what, what you take into cash converters, I was looking at a currency note this morning, and I realized, you know what the queen does? She actually promises to pay the sum of 20 pounds on this note. So what's this then? Sorry? She just owes you money. So she ain't even coming herself to, this is not really anything, it's not worth anything. <laughs> I, thought, I thought somebody would say that. <laughs> There's always one. But it's not really worth, in a, in a sense, in a sense, it's not really worth anything. People in Zimbabwe can tell you about that. We said, well, okay, we'll take a wheelbarrow of currency notes just to buy a tiny loaf of bread. And they were having their troubles. Well, Jesus came himself and he made the payment. And he made the payment for real in person. And he made it personally as well. He wasn't promising nothing, but he laid himself Here's me, price paid, deal done, whoever believes, set free. So, therefore, we're back to chapter 2 now. The challenge I was going to just lay 
You know something? In our congregation, we, we might assume that we all know these things. We all know about this life. We all know about this redemption. We all know that Jesus Christ personally laid his life down for our redemption. Can I ask you one thing? It's one of those things that we really want to establish first of all, as first and foremost, as a healthy church. It's quite easy that we gather together, the faces are familiar, friendly, nice looking, but we haven't established these first bases. What's the basis of our gathering together if it is not relying Depending, trusting wholeheartedly upon what Jesus Christ has done. Think about that. So, if I can ask this, hey, when we, South London, we love fellowship after, after fellowship. Use those times. You may have been hanging out together for months, weeks, years maybe. Take the time. Ask me. I'll ask you if I get the chance. Tell me about how you came to know Christ. How you came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Have you placed trust in him? Let's do that some more. Let's do that a bit more often. Let's not assume that it's all, yeah, sorted there, done and dusted. Because you might be in for some surprises. You might be in for some surprises. Truth is, churches are full of people who don't know Christ. That's true. So, look out for that. Look out for that. Make a point of finding out. Let's grow together, church. Let's grow. Let's grow healthy as well. From first phases. And if what I've just explained, if you find that, wow, I really need to make sure, you know, come, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it afterwards. Amen? So therefore, on account of all these things that Christ has done, there are things to put away on account of the grace of God on account of the grace that we have received, for the fact that Jesus Christ came personally, walked in the shop, looking at my illustration, came, paid the debt, unlocked the shackles, took me, you, and everyone else who places their trust in him out, away. Grace that we didn't even deserve. Grace that we didn't even measure up to. Wow. On account of that, there are some things to put away. And that's where we're at. These things become like old ways by which we measured how well we were doing. That don't give us a true measure of how well we really are. Instead, if anything, if we go by those measures at all, and they, give us, they can give us a measure of how unwell we are. 
What are some of the things that he says we need to put away? Verse 1. Therefore, put away all malice. That's like wickedness. Having a desire to harm, an evil intention to harm. Which is usually covered up as well. So can you imagine? There may be times where we do we do not look we we don't like someone. Oh, we don't like some people. Am I the only one? All right. Glad I'm glad you can identify with that. Peter wouldn't mention it if that if that wasn't an issue. There may be times we don't like someone. And um, we just set out to harm them. And even wish, wish that some ill would befall them. You wish something, something terrible would happen to them. Let that child be. Let, some, let something happen to them. Some, some ill will. But hey, quite frankly, this is a distraction from our business. And it's like we're beginning to look into God's business. We may feel, yeah, that person really deserves whatever comes to them, man. I wish such and such would, would really hit them hard so they know how it hurts. But we're getting into God's territory, aren't we? He does say that even if they've done me wrong, vengeance is mine. It's not my business. So what's all that hating about? So, quite frankly, it's not even my business at all to be malicious, considering the grace of God. Also, considering the grace of God, all deceit, put it away. And what's that? To trap or to bait, set someone up, you know? This one you've got to look out for everywhere. Honestly, I feel like I'm talking to people who don't know about these things. Tell me if you can identify with this. Maybe at work or at home. Kind of like mumbling, I'll get get him into trouble, you know, with his boss. I'll set him up. I'll go make his boss aware that this guy spends so much time on the phone. You know, or I'll go and tell on him he hasn't done his chores, get in trouble with mom or dad. Hey, and at the same time, just feign innocence, like there's no evil intention there. What's my business? Especially considering the grace of God. Especially considering God's grace. He's been gracious to me. Hypocrisy, play acting. Watch out for this one in church. Watch out for this one in church. It shouldn't really be there, but it is there, sadly. How does that work? I mean, I'm asking, how does that work? How could we have come to Christ and acknowledge to God that, God, we missed the mark? 
God, we're awful. We're sinners. We, 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 we don't even measure. We don't cut the mustard at all. But when we come to one another, whew, man, I'm super spiritual. You're not. We put up like we're something we're not. We put up like we did not receive the same grace of God. Hello? Hypocrisy? Tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. I'm very sure there's no play acting going on here. <laughs> all right. But, you see, well, first of all, we could just forget God's grace to us if we forget the word of God. And the truth is that we're all made right by God's grace in his sight, period. It extends to, it's something, it's an open secret we all know. We are saved by the grace of God. Each and every one of us. No exceptions. If you can stand before God, raise your hand up, beat your chest. God, I'm cool with you, right? On my own basis. If you can do that, let's see your hand high up. Not one of us. None at all. Envy. He's got a car I want. His car's a 63 Reg. Mine's a 05. And so, he might become the subject of conversation. I don't even know what he does, you know. I don't know. He says he does some business. Some, some, no particular description. He's always traveling to places that nobody knows. Careful. Envy. It don't belong. It don't belong. It don't belong. Where the grace of God has gone. Slander likewise. Speaking evil of someone who is not around. Brethren. Sis, you know, we need to pray, you know. <laughs> ah, come now, we need to pray. Sister, so-and-so, eh? Ah, we, we really need to pray for her. Seriously. Why? What happened? Man, you see, can't, you, you just can't believe the way things are. Uh, and that, that's supposed to be praying, you know. <laughs> Slander, come on. Leave it. These things really disrupt our relationship with one another. These things don't help us to grow as a body corporately. And these things just show, rather than grow, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really, really shriveling. I'm not really growing. My growth is stunted in Christ. So, really, To start with, as we come to Christ, there are things that we are to put off in order that we might grow. 
And these things are things Peter has listed for us here so far. But at the same time, there's something else we need to desire. And we'll see that um, in verse 2. We are to desire the pure, the pure milk of the word. But he qualifies it. How are we to crave to grow? I'm looking at mommy and Tyle right now. I, I'm sure the babies kind of do it. It's almost like a, it's like, like, like a baby orchestra. One crying after the other. It doesn't matter what time of the night it is. You've probably lost count. It could be... 9 p.m., 1 a.m., 2.15, 3.07 a.m., <laughs> 5 a.m., that baby will let you know, I am hungry. I need to eat. And I need to eat now. There's no singing about it. There's no rocking. That baby is going to keep crying till the baby gets fed. Like newborn babies. I still remember the first baby. And within minutes of being born, listen, that baby was like, ah, ah, rooting, sticking his neck from one side to the other. I'm like, Missy, he's hungry. Now, baby wants to eat. First thing, within minutes. It's out of hunger, and the craving is intense. Baby would let you know, definitely. And the baby would be hungry and desire until the food comes. If you keep them waiting too long, You might be safer feeding them from a bottle. Mums can tell you about that. Because you've kept them waiting too long. But crave intensely for the pure milk of the word. What are we to crave for? The pure milk of the word, he says. Or some of the things we crave for. Maybe the next new track from... Drake, or the next editions of EastEnders, put them on Skybox, or uh, should we just keep tabs on Apple, see when iPhone 6 is coming out, or the next TED Talk. What should we crave for? How easily do these other things um, draw our attention or catch our interest? I never forget the illustration that um, Pastor Rob Dingman gave about to encourage me personally to have a healthy craving for God's word. I mean, he likened it to being invited to one of the upcoming weddings. And my, like the typical Nigerian, I'm thinking, okay, let's arrive there late. And I want to 
stop on the way for some, something to eat. Because we need to just make sure that we're not hungry whilst we're waiting for the catering arrangements to kick in. You know what I mean? Those kind of moves you make. So go, eat something on the way, maybe KFC or McDonald's. But by the time you get to this wedding, gosh, these guys have laid out. They've spared no expense. There's food that you never imagined. It's all there in front of you. But you've had some junk food on the way in. You're full. You can't even take a bite. And they offer you food. Aren't you going to eat something? Oh, no, I'm, I'm all right for now. You really want to eat, but you just can't. Because you've had something else to eat on the way in. God has prepared so much for us about this Christ. God has given us so much in Christ. And this that we enjoy, the grace that we have received, bringing us into Christ, first of all, is an amazing thing. And that's only the beginning. That's really only the beginning. Can I ask you a question? Or some questions to consider. Do I have a healthy desire for knowing Christ more? More than just the the work he's done on the cross. Apart from the essential message of the gospel, do I know anything else about Jesus Christ? He's my saviour. He's my Passover lamb, the one who gave his life for me. How about spending more time with Jesus Christ when he invites me to pray? How much of a desire do I have for this? How about Or do I only pray when I'm struggling to put a sermon like this together? Or would I go somewhere else? For example, if I need advice, or would I go to the Lord in prayer? Do I know how he could save me? Do I know enough about his power toward me? Do I know about the fact that he is in heaven? He's actually alive. Seated by the right hand of God, making intercession for me. How much more do we want to know Jesus Christ? How much of a craving do we have for Christ? If we're looking for advice and anything, is the first place we go to on our knees in prayer. Or Google. There's nothing wrong with that. There can be godly counsel there. But hey, let's cultivate a, a, a strong desire, a strong craving for God's word. Let's make it such that the first one we go to for counsel is God. Even in things which God has given us a clear direction, 
There is nothing wrong in going to God, say, God, I'm about to take the first step. How do I proceed from there? Of course, not that we, we should be, we be indecisive or pessimistic, even about things which God has made clear. But hey, cultivating a, a, a very, very healthy relationship with the Lord and Savior. So, he urges us to crave the sincere milk of the word. I originally intended for this to be something to encourage us to um, develop a habit of spending time in God's word. And that opportunity is still there. That opportunity is still there. That's something that we, we, um, I will be making an announcement about again. The last time there was a little bit of interest. And the thought, the plans are still there for us to take time, um, guide, coach, tutor, even in just basic inquiries into God's word, into God's word. We will do that together. And finally, as um, Peter urges us, he says, he shows us why we are to desire this word. You know, we've, we've been saved by the grace of God. We um, are motivated indeed to crave more for the Lord because of his grace. But even... Why do we want to do this? Because if we have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if we have seen that God is indeed gracious, um, that is indeed good reason for us to continually crave all the more of him. In the last couple of weeks, I've... um, Spent a few, a few moments of time just looking and seeing how the children of Israel found it. A wonderful experience. Coming back into their land after God sacked them out of the land for disobeying him, for not walking according to the law that he set for them in their time. Just imagine, picture for a minute. The UK is taken over taken over by the French. They sack everyone out of here, out of your comfortable home, take your cars, take your children, take your property, and then ship us all over to Ukraine. A hot spot at the moment. And then after we've grown old and gray, we come back here. Finally, God answers our prayers. You can imagine the the gladness in the heart of these people for like, wow, thank God for bringing us back here because he was gracious to us. God indeed is gracious to us in Christ coming himself personally to redeem us from sin, to give us a hope of everlasting life, a living hope. And for this sake, 
There's nothing too much, nothing too big to ask for us to earnestly, eagerly desire this Lord and desire the sincere milk of his word. Just before um, the... Just before we pray, I mentioned earlier on that indeed in our congregation we may assume that we all, that we all know this Lord. As I conclude, I just urge anyone here who's not in a place where you know the grace of Jesus Christ, You know the mercy of God. You know the forgiveness that he has worked, even in Jesus Christ coming to redeem us from eternal damnation. Indeed, we've marked this all through this day. For the sake of Jesus Christ, we have everlasting life. We have a living hope. We have eternal life. I urge you, take a moment Come, let's talk about this. And indeed make sure of the eternal hope that we have in Christ as we're called to grow. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your grace again. We thank you for the grace that you have given us in indeed sending your son, more or less you coming personally to redeem us, more or less you coming personally to give us hope, to give us hope of everlasting life, to show us, Lord, that indeed you have been gracious to us. Lord, as we Look at this word this afternoon. We pray that in each and every one of us, Lord God, there is a yearning. There is a craving, Lord, on account of your grace to know more of you, to spend more time with you, to grow and mature as children of yours, even because of the hunger that you put in us. Lord, and is there anyone who does not know you? Is there anyone who does not know this grace? Father, please let even the word that you have spoken and shared today resonate and find good ground that there indeed be a hope of everlasting life because of what you have done through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.